Welcome in to the Week 12 preview for the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Holtz. You can follow me at Holt Smash on 1166 on Twitter. And I'm joined by my awesome host, co-host, Jordan Brooks. JB, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well, Holt Smash. How have you been today? Uh, I've been all right. Um, sucks that Alex is in here because um, I have to do this. The hosting part again. I just, you know, I'm just not really very good at it. I, I'm kind of miss Alex. He's uh, fortunately he's out there grinding, trying to earn a dollar, bending over backwards for uh, for the man, uh, staying at work until midnight. So uh, we had to do it without him. Yeah, like I, I that's so weird for Alex to do that too, because Alex is all about that work life balance, and he has not been getting that this week. No, he is not. I, I don't know how he's been able to run. Usually he he'll go run like you know 12 miles after work. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just I, I don't know why I didn't think about that, but that's true. Like he he always runs after work. He doesn't run before work. So I may, maybe he's like running in the wee hours in the morning. I don't know. All, all <laughs> I know is he's probably got a lot of pent up energy. Uh, I know, like sitting in a cubicle all day. Yeah, he's got it all built up. He, he can't. Can just go, he, he can't, he can't yeah. burn all those calories. He's been uh, he eats every day. Uh, he can go unleash it, you know, afterwards, if you know what I mean. All right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, it's been beat to death uh, by all the national media, especially like the Big Ten people. You know, they're just all up in arms because, you know, the SEC plays out of conference games this week. And, you know, I admit, like as a fan, I don't really like it either. Um, I mean, I understand why they do it because coaches get fired based off of whether they win the robbery games or not. And, uh, you know, they're just – I mean, they're just really big games and they want to get everybody healthy and all of that. Um, and obviously in the SEC, they only play eight conference games, which rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But you know what? It's not the SEC's fault that everyone else decided to play non-conference games and be dumb about it. And uh, the SEC and the ACC still play the eight conference games. And you know what? They're in the playoff every year. So looks like someone's got something figured out, right, JB? Yeah, like it's just – I hate how this weekend is. Like, it's just – it's really depressing just this weekend leading up before Thanksgiving. Like, when you get in November, you want all your best games. And this weekend is just – it's like a throwaway weekend. Like, this weekend and then in week two are the two worst weekends of the season. And it's a shame, too, because, like, you know, you want more games. And you look forward to every weekend. And I'm just not excited about this weekend. It's It's hard to find excitement for this weekend. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, it isn't just SEC either. Like, I mean, the SEC is the only one playing, like, out-of-conference games, but it's not like there's any great matchups throughout the country anyway. I mean, the best game is, what, like, Syracuse-Notre Dame, the Yankee Stadium, and, I mean, you know, I mean, that's a good matchup for sure, but I don't think it's unbelievable either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's just but... not you, – you don't really see, like, a lot of huge matchups this week, even though – like, even outside the SEC, I guess. You don't. And that's probably, I mean, like you said, that is probably the best week, game of the weekend. Uh, did you know that game day is in Orlando this weekend, I think? Is that yeah, it? for UCF Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, that's another somewhat marquee game. That's another game that that uh, UCF could pot- potentially lose. And uh, we can get, you know, a little more in-depth than that maybe later on in this podcast if we have some time. But, yeah, that's 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 a big one for for UCF. 
uh, Cincinnati. They can maybe uh, make a lot of people in the college football world happy if they can go down to Orlando and win that one. Yeah, but uh, you know we got a, we got a great podcast for you guys today. Um, gonna since there's not as many great games, we can kind of talk about some other things. Maybe uh, you know step away from picking games a little bit and just get to talk about you know maybe we'll talk a little bit about the playoff and you know Auburn and Georgia or and Georgia Florida are having some they have some issues with their rivalries uh, that they're trying to take up with the SEC. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And, uh, but first of all, and then we'll do like a little rapid fire um, at the end where I'm going to smoke JB with some real quick, uh, quick questions. And, uh, you know, that should be pretty fun. So, (laughs) but first of all, JB, I want to ask you, who do you think is the fourth best team in the country right now? Obviously we have, I mean, I guess you could argue that, uh, I mean, obviously Notre Dame did beat Michigan and they have a better record, but I think both of us feel the same way about Alabama, Clemson, and Michigan. We think are the three best teams in the country. Um, You know, obviously the committee has Notre Dame number three, but, you know, I don't think either one of us are really buying that. Um, So who do you think is the fourth best team right now? Yeah, like, I agree with you about – before I give my answer, I do agree with you about Notre Dame. They are definitely not the third best team in the country, but uh, obviously the committee has to slot them there because they're undefeated. But if Notre Dame can lose a game, hopefully this weekend, then they won't have to be there. But yeah, I agree with you. Alabama, Michigan, and Clemson are the three best teams in the country. And this podcast is called SEC Slow Smoked, but the fourth best team is Oklahoma, in my opinion. I just think uh, even though their defense is kind of lousy, I just really love their offense. I think, you know, Kyler Murray is really rolling this year with Lincoln Riley. I mean, Lincoln Riley, there's a lot of chemistry between head coach and quarterback, and the offense is just really, really dynamic. Lots of weapons, especially on the perimeter with their receivers. And this Georgia defense is not as good as last year's team. And I, I understand Georgia is getting better with running the ball, but I just don't think Georgia can score enough points because I think Oklahoma still will be able to score as many as they did last year and maybe even more, because this offense is just as dynamic as last year's team. And I just think that Oklahoma, just like last year, wasn't able to outscore Georgia. I think this year they could outscore Georgia. And it it pains me to say it, but right now I would give the nod to Oklahoma. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I really like Oklahoma as well. Um, I know Oklahoma, Alabama, we've talked about for a few weeks. That's kind of a matchup we want to see. Not so much because I think that Oklahoma could beat Alabama. I mean, maybe, I mean, I think they definitely could, but um, that's just the matchup that I want to see. I want to see Kyler Murray go up against Alabama's defense. To me, that would just be awesome. Um, you mentioned Oklahoma's defense not being very good. They not only are they bad, they're pretty terrible. They're, you know, it's not like, uh, it's just because they played in the Big 12. I mean, if you look at Big 12 rankings, I mean, they're still at the bottom of the Big 12 as far as defense goes. So, they've, they've really struggled uh, again this year. Um, it's just it, one of those things you just can't really, like, understand. Like, I don't know if it's recruiting or coaching um, or just, you know, obviously playing in the Big 12 is tough. You're going against a lot of, you know, high-tempo, throw-the-ball-down-the-field offenses. You know, it's really explosive offenses you're facing every week um but it's kind of hard to figure out like why they're so bad on defense but uh that's actually uh why i I tend to lean a little bit more towards balanced teams teams that can get a stop when they need one and teams that can 
uh, score points when they need them. Uh, so I would probably go – I think Georgia's probably the fourth-best team in the country right now. Um, and, again, I, I kind of hope Notre Dame loses uh, just so we don't have to worry about Notre Dame being in it. I mean, I do think that they're not quite as bad as maybe we've made them out to be, but I just don't think they're one of the four best teams. And I just think that seeing Alabama versus Notre Dame or Clemson versus Notre Dame and one of these semifinals would just – really just kind of be a waste and just kind of be a really boring game. And I don't think – I wouldn't really give Notre Dame a huge chance to win. Um, so, but, yeah, as far as the fourth-best team, I, I would have to stick with Georgia. Just Jake Fromm, they finally got their running game going, uh, a lot more, you know, consistent with that. And uh, I think the defense is growing up and maturing. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, um, you know, it, as far as – I don't think they're going to get to that point uh, this year, but I still think that they're solid on defense and uh, Oklahoma's offense is better than Georgia's defense and Georgia's offense. But I just think when you put Georgia's offense and defense and honestly their special teams as well with Rodrigo Blankenship, um, I just think like all together that is better than Oklahoma. Um, But that being said, I would really love to see Oklahoma versus Alabama in the playoffs, like I mentioned. Yeah, I would. And, and I agree with you, like, you know, coming back to Notre Dame. I, I mean, I've, I've been hard on Notre Dame just because of their soft schedule. I mean, it's not their fault that the teams they're playing haven't performed up to expectations this season. So, I mean, you can't fault them for the schedule. But, I mean, granted, the, only, the best one they have is their first win of the season against Michigan. But they don't really pass the eye test to me. They're not one of the four best teams in the country. The three best ones are obviously Alabama, Michigan, and Clemson. Then you can make the argument for the fourth best team, mainly between Georgia and Oklahoma. I mean, I don't think I would put West Virginia, Notre Dame, or Ohio State in that group. I mean, it's really just those those five in that group of four. Yeah. So what are some possible scenarios um, that you would like to see? I know really the only way we're going to get two SEC teams in is obviously Georgia and Alabama take care of business until the SEC championship game, which I think we both expect them to do. And then Georgia upsets Alabama. Um, if that happens, do you think that's that's a shoe-in that two SEC teams get in, or do you think maybe one of them gets left out? Not, a, not absolutely a shoe-in, but if that happens, this will be absolutely chaotic for the playoff committee because they're going to be facing a second consecutive year where they're going to have to debate whether or not Alabama can get in as the fourth best team. And will they get in? I think they will. And the question is, who are they going to get in over? Because you're probably going to have a 12-1 and Michigan team, assuming they run the table and win the Big Ten. And you're probably going to have a uh, maybe a 12-1 and or, yeah, 12-1 and Oklahoma team that's the Big 12 champion. So you could be potentially leaving out two conference champions that have one loss over an 11-1 Alabama team that did not win its conference. But on paper and through the eye test, Alabama has been better through its body of work throughout the entire season than those two teams. So if the committee goes by what they did last year, when they picked Alabama over Ohio State just because of they passing the eye test and how much better they looked, then you would assume Alabama is going to be chosen over those two teams in that scenario yeah so are you a uh, a conference champion guy or are you a four best teams guy i'm more with the four best teams i mean i think that that 
logic proved last year that you have to pick the four best teams, regardless if there's an upset along the way. So, yes, I would go with the four best teams. Because if Ohio State gets in as a four seed against, a, against Clemson, obviously I think Clemson wins that game. And Clemson may win the national championship if they don't get matched up with Alabama in the first round. I don't know if they would have beaten Georgia, but, I mean, I, that kind of ruined Clemson's season, having to be matched up. And that, that would be a horrible scenario for Clemson if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship because Clemson does not want to have to face Alabama again in the first round as a one seed. I mean, how horrible luck can that be? Because we all – everyone's still going to pick Alabama to win the national championship, at least the majority of people, if Georgia somehow upsets uh, Alabama in the SEC championship because you're going to give Saban in that Alabama roster at least three weeks to get healthy, closer to a month to get healthy and prepare for that game. And when you give Saban and his team that long to recover and prepare, you're not going to beat them. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing that could happen too is they could have uh, Clemson 1 and then Georgia-Alabama 2-3 and then have, like, depending on what happens with Notre Dame, they probably have Notre Dame there if they're undefeated just because they have the head-to-head over Michigan. And I think that, I mean, honestly, like, even though I don't think they're one of the four best teams, I do think head-to-head should matter and they're also undefeated, so – um, I think they would go with Notre Dame there, but maybe it's a situation where it's they put Notre Dame at four and then they put Georgia and Alabama two three, and then it's just a rematch of that in the first round. Yeah, I think that's that, something that could happen as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a scenario that probably works out better for you know a majority of fans around the country because they it would definitely prevent the scenario of having an all SEC national championship, just let one of them to eliminate themselves in the first round. But, I mean, I would like to see Georgia and Notre Dame play in the first round in that scenario. I think Georgia and Notre Dame as a 2-3 matchup would be really exciting. I mean, obviously, I would pick Georgia. I think Georgia all around is a more complete team than Notre Dame, more talented. And just they have, I think I would, I, I would pick uh, Georgia's offense and their balance over Notre Dame's offense. And Notre Dame's defense is pretty talented, but I would give the edge to Georgia because I think they, have, they definitely have more athletes. Yeah. I agree. So um, what would be like your dream scenario? Like if you could just like, if it could just go any way from here on out, like, and you're in complete control of like who wins over the course of the next three weeks. Um, like what is your like perfect scenario? Like what do you want to see? Scenario I want to see is I want to have Alabama running the table, being the one seed. Two seed, I want it to be Clemson running the table. And then the third seed, uh, Michigan. Oh, no, no. I'm trying to think how I wanted it. Yeah, third seed, I want it to be Michigan, with them running the table and winning the Big Ten. And then the fourth seed, Oklahoma, with them running the table and winning the Big 12. So you'd have two one-loss teams at the three and four, and then two undefeated teams at one and two. So you'd have Alabama facing Michigan in the first round with that vaunted Alabama dynamic offense against that really stout Michigan defense. And then you'd have Clemson – or no, yeah – Sorry, Alabama gets Oklahoma in the first round. Shoot, I get those two teams mixed up. <laughs> so it would be a, it would be a, it would be the shootout between Alabama and Oklahoma. Be a repeat of like Georgia Oklahoma last year, but I would give the nod to Alabama because of their defense and being able to make enough stops. But then you would have Michigan and Clemson, and to me that that's a really interesting matchup if that happens because yeah. both of them are balanced, both of them are well coached, and both of them have talented quarterbacks. That can also run the ball if needed. Yeah, my my scenario would honestly be the exact same. 
Um, I don't think Oklahoma could beat Alabama, but it, just like I said earlier, it would be really exciting. And, um, you know, Oklahoma may be able to put up, you know, 35, you know, maybe even get to the 40s against Alabama just because, like, they're that good. But, I mean, honestly, like, Alabama's offense versus Oklahoma's defense is just a complete and total. Like, Alabama may score a touchdown on every drive, like, honestly. Like, I mean, Alabama could probably win that game, like, 77 to 35 if they wanted yeah. to. Yeah, my, my my projection, if they were to play right now, I would probably pick Alabama. Assuming both teams are healthy, I would pick Alabama to win about 52 to 31. I just yeah. think Alabama's – I mean, Oklahoma will get their points, but Alabama's defense will still make enough stops, and Oklahoma's defense will not be able to stop Alabama. So, obviously, Alabama could just outscore Oklahoma. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, just giving Saban, like, a month to prepare for Kyler Murray and that – offense and then give Lincoln Riley a month to prepare for Nick Saban in that defense with, you know, Kyler Murray at quarterback and, you know, a guy that hasn't really been talked about a lot for the Heisman, but I definitely think deserves to be there. Just it's just because two has had such an amazing year that he's kind of been overlooked. But I mean Kyler Murray has been unbelievable this year. He's so much fun to watch and he's so fast and quick and like it's just and that offense is just so much fun to watch. And then it is you know they got it that is. receiver, number five, Hollywood. They just like, I don't know. Oklahoma is just a really exciting team to watch offensively. They are. And, you know, like I said, like the difference with this Alabama team is they have an offense that's that can put up a lot of points. Granted, I already said that Oklahoma will still get their points against Alabama and, you know, probably get into the 30s. Problem is that this Alabama offense is just as almost as good as Oklahoma's offense. I mean, you can make the argument between who which one is better. I mean, I would probably say they're both about a dead heat between which offense is better. But if they were playing this Alabama team, like, from maybe five years ago, when, you know, we had A.J. McCarron as the quarterback and it was just more of a uh, power run game, I don't – even if, as bad as Oklahoma's defense is, that Alabama offense wasn't a high-scoring offense, and they would probably be a much closer game in that, in that essence. And then you'd probably see Alabama just running the ball and trying to keep the ball away from Oklahoma. Yeah, so – for this scenario to happen, I think obviously we're going to need a few things to happen. I mean, Clemson, Alabama, Michigan all went out. That's pretty, you know, it's pretty simple. Um, I think that's fairly likely. Um, the only thing I would worry about is Michigan going to Ohio State. I know Ohio State, you know, hasn't really been playing great, but they still have a chance, I think. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a huge rivalry game. It's in Columbus. Um, and you know, Ohio State has Michigan's number. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have the. I think they yeah. have the mental edge and all of those things. So, yeah. I mean, that that could definitely happen. But then we'd uh, and then obviously we need Oklahoma to win out. But the big thing we is do. we need Notre Dame to lose. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Before we dig deeper, we still have to have Notre Dame lose a game. Yeah, and they play Syracuse uh, Saturday, and then they go travel to USC next week, which it isn't you know your typical USC. They're Staring, uh, this USC team is staring six and six right in the face, and uh, probably going to be replacing their coach at the end of the year, if I had to guess. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Clay Helton's going to survive after this season. I mean, that's completely under underperformed, and their offensive coordinator, uh, T. Martin, you know, he lost a lot of his uh, play calling abilities too. Like he's Clay Helton's, you know, trying to take over because let's face it, T. Martin's been pretty horrible with that offense too. Like. That's just a complete mess out there in L.A. Oh, I know. And, I mean, that just – I mean, it just takes me back to, like, last year when all these national people who don't really – I mean, not even college football writers, just people on, like, ESPN who don't even – I just remember watching Around the Horn 
people that don't even cover college football, and they're just like, I can't believe Tennessee doesn't just hire T. Martin. And it's like, man, he doesn't even call the plays. I, I thought the same thing, too. Like, he would have been an absolute horrible hire. One of the worst hires ever for Tennessee. And that says a lot, considering who they've hired the last two go-arounds. Like, I, I think at that time, everyone was just emotional and thinking, you know, just hire somebody that's an alum. And then I think a lot of the sports writers just ready for that circus to be over with, too. And that's why they were pushing for it. Yeah, I just didn't understand that, like, at all. Like, I mean, you can't just take someone who doesn't even call the plays and then expect them to go be, like, a head coach somewhere. But, I mean, one thing, like, I will say, uh, something that we've seen work out a little bit um, with, like, Dabo and then, to a lesser extent, uh, Ed Orgeron at LSU is, like, if you hire, like, uh, you know, someone the fans can, like, really rally behind and someone who's, like, 100% committed to the school and is a really good recruiter – and then you hire, like, two elite coordinators, like, on each side of the ball to kind of, like, you know, run the offense and the defense, you know, then that's a that's something that can work. That's a formula that can work. But, you know, I just don't think that uh, – I don't think that was going to happen. I don't think that's what people really, like, had in mind. And I don't know if, you know, it's like I'm saying, I don't think T. Martin was ready for that job, like, whatsoever. I mean, maybe, like, he'll get another chance somewhere and – revitalize his career a little bit but yeah I mean I didn't mean to make this like whole big thing about T. Morton but it just I just thought of that uh every time they bring him up it's just like I just always think about how so many people wanted him to be the head coach of Tennessee last year yeah and I was definitely one of those I was not on the T. Martin train like I, I I didn't I didn't think emotionally I still thought with my brain yeah so uh Another topic that uh, we'll talk about real quick is uh, Kirby Smart is apparently upset that the Georgia-Florida game is played in Jacksonville, and he wants that to be an on-campus game uh, going forward. Uh, Did you hear that? Yeah. Uh, And apparently the contract is still in Jackson to have held in Jacksonville through the year 2021. And once that contract is up, Kirby Smart wants this game to be moved back to a home-and-home series because, in essence, with Georgia playing that game on the road, you know, in Jacksonville every year, and with them playing a lot of neutral side games in the few upcoming years, they're only going to get about six home games tops every year. So you're losing a home game out of that. And, of course, I mean, they say, like, people say, well, yeah, Georgia's going to get $2 million to play the game in Jacksonville. $2 million is nothing to the University of Georgia. They would rather have that extra home game. Well, they made more than two million off a home game. Exactly. Like, who cares? And plus, it's not like we're. This is not like it's a great venue in Jacksonville either. Like, it's not that great. I mean, I I, I'm all for the home and home. I mean, I I love the cocktail party. It's been a great tradition. But I I think a home and home, you know, would be great to see because a lot of fans in Athens would love to travel to Gainesville, and then the fans in Gainesville would love to travel to Athens. I think it's. It's great. Home and home is better, and games are meant to be played on SEC campuses. So, yeah, I'm definitely with Kirby Smart on this. Yeah, I understand. I mean, we've seen over time um, a lot of these neutral site games, rivalry games have kind of disappeared. Um, you know, like I know Mississippi State and Ole Miss used to always play in Jackson every year, and I think maybe Alabama and Auburn would always play in Birmingham. I've yeah, done- they played Birmingham. And then, of course, we got we got one neutral site game, the newer one in the SEC with Arkansas and A&M playing in Dallas. Yeah, that one kind of surprised me. I'm surprised that both teams, especially Arkansas, wanted to do that. Because, yeah, you know, Arkansas 
Arkansas always has the like one game in Little Rock too, so that's basically taking away like two home games. It is, and if they play, if Arkansas gets themselves in a neutral site game to open the season too, like let's say they get the Texas kickoff or the Cowboys kickoff or the Chick Fil A you know kickoff, you know one of those three, that takes away another home game. Yeah, so I mean this just is not an ideal scenario for sure. I mean, yeah, um, I know that. You know, I like the idea of them playing one game in Little Rock every year. I mean, I, I like, you know, it, it, theoretically all these games, like, you know, seem like a good idea. Like, oh, yeah, that would be cool. But when you actually start thinking about, like, the amount of games that you have and, you you know, it's just you can't be taking them away. You know, you can't be losing home games, I guess. I mean, it's just. No, you can't. And you, the reason I think this is occurring is that we're in a new era now of neutral side games to open the season. And. You know, instead of having home and home series, you know, we each school goes to visit that other school once, like you know, when Tennessee Oklahoma played or uh, Alabama played Oklahoma that a few years. Uh, let's see, Alabama, Georgia, Penn, Clemson, Alabama, Penn State, had Alabama, one. Penn State, Georgia, Clemson, Auburn, Clemson. Those home and home series, you don't see as many of those anymore. It's usually they just play one time at a neutral site, and these and they make a lot of money doing this. But in in essence, you're losing these home and home battles that really make those special, especially when you don't see non-conference schools like that visit those new venues. Like, you, like especially, like, say, Mississippi State, for instance, if they were to host a school like Nebraska, you'd never get a school like Nebraska in Starkville. You'd rather have that home-and-home home and then, in retrospect, state fans. Like, they never get to travel to Lincoln, Nebraska. I think a lot of people would rather have a home-and-home home than just meet once, you know, somewhere neutral like in Dallas. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. But, I mean, I'm a fan of the neutral side games, too. I just, like, obviously I like the home and homes more. I just think it's good to, like, have a good mix. You know what I mean? Like, mix it up. Don't do the same thing every year. You know, maybe do, like, a home and home for a couple years and then do a neutral site and then do yeah. home and home for a few years and then do a neutral site. Like, just mix it up. And, you know, I, I know a lot, of, uh, a lot of schools, it's about getting somewhere where, you know, their fan base – you know, it's easier for them or a destination city, like for the fan base. Like I know when Mississippi state played Oklahoma state in Houston um, to start the 2013 season, 2013, yeah. 2013, um, the Texans kickoff, was it the Houston kickoff, Texas kickoff? Yeah. The Texas kickoff at the yeah. at Houston, at the Texan stadium. But uh, I just remember that the whole big thing about that was, you know, Mississippi state has a lot of uh, alumni in Houston you know, who maybe don't get to come to Starville too often. So it was kind of like a big, you know, a big deal for them. And then they had a two for one with South Alabama where South Alabama came up to Starville twice and then state went down there once. And I know Mississippi State has a lot of, you know, a big fan base in Mobile and then also on the Mississippi Gulf Coast as well, which is not exactly close to Starville. So, you know, I mean, it's just cool to like, you know, mix things up a little bit and uh, give those fans an opportunity to maybe make a shorter drive. Yeah, I agree. And another thing I was going to go back to Kirby Smart is, I, I don't know if you read, but uh, between the years 2020, 2024, Georgia's three of those years, Georgia's playing at the Chick-fil-A kickoff. So those are three neutral side games that they're going to have to open their season. So I can understand Kirby Smart's gripe and wanting to have that Florida-Georgia game move back to home and home. Because it seems like it's becoming a tradition for the major SEC schools like the uh, the, the uh, Georgias, the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Tennessees, the LSUs. They're, they're playing a lot of these neutral games to start their seasons. And in essence, that's losing a home game. 
Right. And I, I do wish that there was a little bit more uh, like uniform scheduling. Like I still think that the university should have like a lot of say in their schedule, but uh, you know, like I would just like to see like, say like UCF, like I would just like to see them play like more power five teams during the regular season. And they say that they try to, but no one wants to play them and like all that stuff plus schedules are made like so far in advance. Like you have no idea who's going to be good and stuff. So I would maybe like to see like just put have them put a rule in place where like you can't schedule games more than like three or four years in advance and then maybe have like a little bit more like, you know, just have a little bit more like rules to it. Like, you know, everyone has to play at least nine uh, power five games. Everyone has to play like and then for some of these like mid-major teams, like find a way to get them a little bit more like big matchups against, you know, better teams. So that way we don't have to hear about like UCF being undefeated and blah, 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 which is another thing I don't even want to get into today. But. Yeah. Like I always laugh at that too. Like when it's reported, Oh yeah. Georgia and Ohio state, they have signed up to play in the years 2031 and 2032. Well, yeah. who, you don't know what the programs are going to be. What say the programs are going to be at that time. I mean, one of them could be really shitty. The other one could be really good. Like you have no idea. Like I hate how they schedule these way out in advance. Like it's much better if you can, plan it out like like you said in the next three four years because then you have a general idea how the programs may be at that time yeah i mean to me it's just like the scheduling is just so uh just like competitive and just you know i mean you have to schedule for in advance otherwise you're going to be stuck with a schedule you don't want and you're going to be stuck like you know mississippi state was a couple years ago just to use zim as an example um they were supposed to play tulane at home and tulane somehow like backed out of the contract i don't know like you know, I'm sure they had to pay like a penalty or something. And then Mississippi State had to like they couldn't play any, they couldn't find anyone to play them, so they had to go play UMass in Boston, like you know, or some crap like that. Like you know, I remember just, that. Yeah, they played in Foxborough too. Yeah, they played it. Yeah, they played at the Patriot Stadium, and uh, you know, it's just not it's so random. Uh, yeah, it's just it's very not ideal. And then everyone's like, you know. Of course, everyone across the country is like, oh, why is Mississippi State? Why would they agree to play this game? And it's like, well, they didn't really have a choice, honestly. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things that it sucks, but it is yeah. what it is. See, that was just, that's just the cocktail party. The other scheduling uh, issue we're currently hearing is that Auburn is wanting to move their rivalry with Georgia, the Deep South oldest rivalry, to earlier in the season because they don't like the fact that their two biggest rivalry games are back-to-back with each other at the end of the season. So Auburn wants to play Georgia in early in like late September, early October time frame. That would be kind of exciting. Yeah, I could see that. And then, like you were saying uh, before the show, that would give um, an opportunity for them to maybe play the Tennessee-Georgia game in November. Yeah. So that yeah, way that Tennessee's – Tennessee's yeah. November schedule isn't like, you know, just Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, like – like it would actually be like a big game for Tennessee as well, yeah, so would, they could kind of yeah two two birds one stone type thing. Yeah, I think that would actually help. That would be better for Tennessee too because it would probably help remove that gauntlet they always face in the midseason, where they play Georgia and Florida and then Alabama, and then usually another West team back to back to back to back. Maybe they can move that Missouri game into that into that four game stretch, and then they could play Georgia. You know, the second to last or, you know, maybe around the second to last week of the season. And then Georgia plays Georgia Tech the following weekend. I think that would actually be a really great thing for the SEC to have those games moved around a bit. Yeah. And, I mean, I understand where, 
uh, you know, Auburn would be coming from on this just because, you know, their two biggest games every year are going to be Georgia and Alabama. And, you know, we know how good Georgia's gotten. And uh, for them to play those two games at the end of the season when, you know, everyone's beat up and all of that um, and having those games, you know, I mean, I, they played both of those games in three weeks. I mean, that's just not a very good situation for Auburn. Um, I definitely understand where they're coming from. And then, you know, early in the season, they don't have as many big games. You know, they have the LSU, but that's about it. Yeah, like, I, I actually like that, I think. So, in essence, I like I like the cocktail party being moved to home and home. And I like the uh, Georgia-Auburn robbery to be moved earlier in the season. I think it, it brings more balance. And, of course, it would be like a ripple effect. I, it would help uh, Tennessee as well. I think Tennessee could take advantage of it and get Tennessee and Georgia to play in November. So in all, in essence, you get a little bit more balance, and that could actually bring some more, you know, more exciting games too. Like it, it'll definitely be a little bit of a ripple effect if that happens. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. I mean, you change one thing, you got to change like two or three things. But uh, yeah, and then you know, just wrapping up like the neutral site stuff too. Uh, you know, I mean, one thing they could consider doing is maybe doing the play in Jacksonville every three years and then just do like, you know, at Florida, at Georgia, at Jacksonville, at Florida, at Georgia, at Jacksonville, kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, that is something they could do too. And, you know, I mean, I, I know that like eventually we're kind of going away from these neutral site rivalry games every year, which, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just one of those people. I don't know if I'm just like sentimental or if I just like don't like change or, <laughs> or what it is, but like anytime, like something that I'm really used to, uh, changes even if it's something that doesn't affect me like at all like I'm always just <laughs> I'm just always against it for some reason I don't know why yeah it's definitely an adjustment but uh, we have one more thing I wanted to talk to you about real quick Holt uh, and uh, one more topic uh, it's been proposed many times by some coaches in our conference namely Nick Saban that he wants to add another extra conference game to move from eight games to nine SEC conference games what is your opinion of it? Man, like, <laughs> I, I have such a, uh, like, crazy opinion on this uh, as far as SEC scheduling or what I think they should do. I'm fine with if they want to switch to nine games, it's fine. Uh, to me, the problem isn't nine games. To me, the problem is a lack of playing teams on the other in the other division. So um, I would either want to – get rid of the permanent crossover for every team except for Alabama, Tennessee, and then Auburn, Georgia, and then have everyone else rotate so that, like, you could actually see some of the other teams in your conference every once, you know, more than once every 15 years. Right. But uh, what I would do, what I really want to see, and I've tried drawing this out before, and it's just uh, Missouri and Auburn kind of screw it up, and Tennessee also to an extent. But, like, if you just played – if you just got rid of divisions – and then everyone played four teams every year, and then the rest of it rotated. Um, just like I said, that, that's it gets kind of tricky with a few teams because, like, Missouri doesn't really have, like, four teams they could play every year. And, uh, like, you know, Mississippi State doesn't really have four teams they could play every year. And then Tennessee has – I mean – More than there's, four. <laughs> I mean, there's more than four. Yeah, there's more yeah. than four teams that you would think Tennessee should play every year. So, I mean – I understand that, like, I'm out here, like, all alone on this one, and it's just something that, like, goes on in my crazy mind every now and then. But yeah. uh, 
it, like that's what I would really like to see just because I really – I don't really like the idea of divisions in general. I just think it's that make the SEC championship game the two best teams. I know that it would suck sometimes because it would be a rematch. Like you're getting in the Big 12 this year. You know, like if you had Alabama-Auburn um, playing the last week and everyone knew that they were just going to play again the next week for the SEC championship, it would kind of take away from, you know, the first one. But I, I still think that that's what they, that's what they should do. And, um, you know, maybe one day I'll get on here and I'll tell you, like, my full idea and who my four teams are for for every school and, like, how I would how I would make it work. But Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah, – I agree. I mean – I mean, I, I like I like your formula. I mean, I think you have showed it, shown it to me before, and yeah, I I could see how having an extra game like it would definitely help with uh, having every team being able to play each other, you know, more, more often. What depresses me the most is that all, all these teams they only play each other now once every six years. So that means, like, let's say for instance, LSU is only going to see. Uh, Georgia comments to Baton Rouge once every 12 years or so. So that's like just a little more than a decade between each visit. And then they're only going to play Georgia, you know, once every six, seven years. Like that's just a horrible, like you, you want us to be able to see every team at least once right. every four years, like in the old format before the expansion, everybody would play a home and home from cross divisions and it would happen every four years. So you, in essence, you would still get a few of those and you play four times in a decade. So, yeah, I agree. Like, if they don't move to another conference game, I think they, a good idea might be to abolish divisions and maybe get rid of the permanent crossovers. Then everybody in the conference can play each other. Because is it really a conference if schools like Mississippi State and Ole Miss don't get to play schools like Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, except no. once every decade? Definitely not. And, I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, to me, that's my biggest problem with it. And just like I'm saying, obviously, if you got rid of divisions like – you're going to have to have permanent games because obviously Alabama and Auburn have to play over here. Mississippi State and Ole Miss are going to play over here. Tennessee, Florida are going to play over here. Like that's just obvious. I mean, you have to have those games. So, I mean, I don't know if there's a perfect way to do it, but I definitely think that if they got rid of divisions, you could still have like the big rivalry games every year. And then even if teams maybe had to sacrifice and not play every year, at least they would still play every other year at least. You know what I mean? Because, like, I feel if you did it like this, you would uh, – you know, obviously you'd play your permanent teams every year. But then the, every other team you would play every other year. And then, you know, you'd be there one year and then two years later they'd come to you. You know what I mean? Kind of a thing. So, like, even though you may not play them every year, you're still playing them a lot. You know, you're still playing yeah. – yeah. Like if you were if you were a player, you'd play every team twice in your career, like yeah. at least in, in, the in your four years. If you play all four years, so yeah, I mean that's how I want it to be. Like in the Big Twelve, like even though the conference is small now, it's not twelve teams anymore. Everybody plays each other once every season. That's more of a conference to me than how the SEC does it. Like I, as a, I mean, you're a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, as a person that roots for Tennessee, like I hate that we don't get to play LSU except once every six years. I hate that we don't ever get to play Auburn. Like, I love playing yeah. Auburn. Like, and we and we went to Jordan-Hare this year. I hate that Tennessee doesn't get to play in Jordan-Hare for another 12 years. Like, it's it's an absolute shame. And Or you as a Mississippi State fan, like, Florida doesn't come to Starkville for another 11 or 12 years from now. Like, that, right. nobody likes that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And uh, it's something that they definitely need to fix, something that should definitely be 
on the priority list too. And the, I mean, the worst part of it too is like, I mean, we play Kentucky every year and it's just like, yeah, that's you know, like, exciting. yeah, I mean, nothing against like Kentucky. Like I, I'm Kentucky probably feels the exact same way. Like, it's like, yeah, why, like, like why are we being better. forced to play this team every year? Like it's pointless. Yeah. Cause Kentucky and Mississippi state aren't rivals. It's just, those are two just kind of like narrowed down. Cause obviously yeah. the crossovers like Tennessee, Alabama are always going to play Auburn, Georgia, uh, let me think. Who else? Uh, I mean, almost uh, Texas, Texas A&M, South Carolina. Yeah, A&M, Mis- South Missouri, Carolina. Arkansas is a good one. Missouri, Arkansas is pretty good, but Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, that's not really a rivalry. Uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Arkansas, they're not. So, in essence, it's really just for a couple of permanent crossovers. It's really just because of Tennessee, Alabama, and Auburn, Georgia. If there is a way the SEC can make a formula to where those schools play each other every year, then everyone else just flip-flops you might be able to make it work. But obviously I'm not a yeah. mathematician, so I couldn't come up with a formula. But if there could be a <laughs> right. formula for those four schools to keep playing each other and then let everyone else just rotate, I'm all for it. Yeah, I don't understand why they couldn't do that. But, again, I'm not. <laughs> those four schools are holding the SEC back on this, aren't they? Yeah. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll add, uh, like, Oklahoma and then, like, another team from the West, like another Western team. And – uh we just move Alabama and Auburn over to the other side, and then we won't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. But anyway, um, I did want to ask you, you know, we we haven't really been talking about food a lot lately. Uh, it's been mostly football. I think that's, for one, because college football is, like, kind of just taken over and it's been so much fun. But the other thing, too, is, like, we haven't really been traveling too much these last few weeks. Um, so uh, we haven't really been able to try anything new. But you – uh, tried something new. You had Hattie B's in Nashville, right? Yeah, I tried Hattie B's and I was thoroughly impressed. Like it was really, really good. So the way Hattie B's does it is they have different levels of spiciness for their chicken. So they have level one, which is just no spice whatsoever. And then they have levels two through six. So I ended up picking level four, which is uh, two levels from the hottest, but two levels above mild. And it was absolutely delicious. Like, I, I was impressed with how good it was. I almost would pick it over Gus's. I think. Oh man. I think Gus's actual chicken, like the actual meat, is better. But with that Nashville sauce, like that hot sauce they put on it, and the seasonings, it's really, really good. And the sides at Hattie B's were impressive too. Like they use a uh, spicy pimento mac and cheese. Oh, that sounds really, really good. Yeah, it's really, really good and. Uh, they had I had some uh, collard greens and also some baked beans as my as my side. And the way they do it is uh, it's actually chicken breast quarters that you can choose. So instead of just having like a breast and wing, it's a breast and wing combined, all in one. And uh, for the side items there, like you, it comes with two sides and bread. But with them, you can just pay one dollar and get an extra side. So if I just want to get every single side item and just pay an extra dollar, I could do that. So oh, if you just want to go there and sample. So you were, you went to the one in Nashville, I right? I mean, I assume, is that the only one or do they have other locations? Yeah, I went to the one in Nashville, the original location, and it was good. It was good. Uh, they did, uh, they are currently in expansion mode. Uh, they're kind of franchising as well. Uh, they opened a location in Memphis, but I don't know if that would say it'd be as good as the original one in Nashville, but. It's, it's, it's really, really impressive. I was, I, I was impressed. I, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a chicken connoisseur too, or, you know, a Southern food connoisseur. And it's, it's right up there with Gus's. And of course, Gus's is franchising too. So 
that's why I put that poll on our uh, website on our Twitter about which you know spicy fried chicken is the king of the South and Gus is narrowly edged out Hattie B's and you can't go wrong with either they're both a little bit different but they both are really special. Have you ever had the jalapeno cornbread from Gus's? Before? I haven't. I've had that, but also there's one Gus's fried chicken, the one in Collierville, Tennessee, that does jalapeno hush puppies. And they are my absolute favorite hush puppies anywhere. Oh, yeah. Those are big time. I've had those also. I'm a big fan of Gus's. Um, I've never had Hattie's be- Hattie B's, but since I'm uh, 901 to the core, I'll probably never admit that it's better than Gus's, even if I deep down believe it. Yeah, that it might is. be a place for you to try next time you're in Memphis, maybe after Thanksgiving. Yeah, maybe we'll have to uh, hit it up. But uh, I would talk about uh, some good food places, but I haven't really been to any. I've been kind of just trying to live cheap lately and, you know, just be able to uh, save enough money to make my rent next month. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been uh, too adventurous lately. Plus, you know, in Jackson, I live in Jackson, Mississippi, and it's just not – there's just not a lot of great places to eat here. And the places that are – really good or also really expensive you know so just like i'm saying i can't really you know i'm, I'm not a high roller like that yet that's just so much is doing well but not quite that good <laughs> um but yeah we'll get into some of the games real quick and then uh you know we'll do our we'll do our picks we, i mean we can honestly just do our picks and we can if you have any uh if you want to break them down at all we can um obviously we're going to skip over all the blind yeah, ones like- um, I, I assume you're taking Alabama over the Citadel. Yeah, like I think we're just gonna we're all we're all picking the SEC to run the table against the FCS opponents. So let's just you know whisk on through those. Uh, we're not even gonna discuss those games. I mean, come on, they're boring. Uh, the only discussion we can make mention is should Nick Saban play to attack of Aloha? I say no. He needs to sit. He needs to rest and be ready for the Auburn Georgia games. And uh, you know, JB, do you just think that? Like, you're just going to just disrespect your opponent like that? I mean, come on. Like, you think that just because they're playing the Citadel that they don't have to bring their – they don't have to play hard or bring their A game? Is that what you're implying? I mean, if you want to say so, yes. But uh, they can bring in Jalen Hurts, and he's still – he's a, a national championship quarterback that's played in two national championships yeah. led Alabama to two national championships. I mean, you can bring him in. That's not really disrespect. If he's healthy, if not, just bring Mac Jones in. He can be their Greg McElroy kind of guy. Just hand the ball off and keep the ball away from that triple option offense. I mean, Mac Jones is in there. They're still gonna be able to probably score about thirty points, and their defense will shut him down. I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking. I'm yeah. thinking. I was yeah. just uh, making fun of his press yeah, conference. Like, I'm thinking big picture here. I'm not thinking about just that one game. You know, I think if if Tua gets hurt, that opens up an entire new dynamic for the rest of the country. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I think he's banged up, but I think he can go. And I think they're probably, what they'll probably do is put him in for like a few series. And then once they get up by like 14, you know, take him out. And I th- just like, I think Hertz is more injured than Tua is, honestly. Um, but uh, I think Tua probably could have finished the game last week if he didn't need it to. I think they just, they knew they couldn't protect him and they didn't want him to take any more hits. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I think we're gonna both go with Alabama on that one. Um, the two the two uh, games that I do want to talk about just a little bit though are uh, first MTSU and Kentucky. You know, Kentucky's kind of fallen off and they can't really score on anyone. And MTSU has kind of you know kind of earned a uh, 
a reputation for being a little, you know, t- a tough out, I guess you could say. So I wouldn't be surprised at this game if you looked up in the second half and this game was like a one possession game. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either. It's, it's definitely one of those that's kind of like a trap game. Yep. Great, uh, great analysis there. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the number one defense in the country travels to a college station as uh, the UAB Blazers. I mean, I, they were number one last week. I think – I don't know if they're still number one or not. Um, I didn't actually check that, so I may be wrong. But uh, the UAB Blazers um, heading over to College Station to face Jimbo and the boys. Uh, you think there's any reason to be concerned here? You think A&M's got this wrapped up? Yeah, before up? I get into it, what a job by Bill Clark this year for UAB, leading them to a 91 record. It's considering the program was dead just a few years ago, and he was the coach before it was dead, and then he comes back after it's revived, and he's led them to a 91 record. What an incredible job by him. He's the most underrated coach in all of college football, and I'm surprised his name is not linked to more jobs because he's he's really a really awesome coach. And I hope that he gets an opportunity to go somewhere big in the near future. He, he deserves did you, it. Uh, did you hear him on the Feinbaum show call Alabama, the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa? I did not. <laughs> I thought that, that was very funny. That is. <laughs> yeah, so much respect to Bill Clark. But, yeah, like – I'm not going to be surprised if they can keep this one close with Texas A&M this weekend. A&M is a 17-point favorite, and if I was going to place a bet on this game, I would pick UAB to cover. I don't know if I would necessarily pick them to win, but I would I would pick UAB to cover. This team is really well coached. They're disciplined. And Kellen Mond this, these last few weeks has been really shaky. And like, I think in the last six, seven games, he has thrown an interception at least one of these games. And especially against that UAB defense, that uh, makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, I would like to see uh, Kellen finish the season on a strong note because he kind of came out of the gates firing and it looked like he was going to have a huge year. And he still had some some good numbers. But, you know, these last few weeks he hasn't been nearly as good as he was to start the season. So hopefully he can finish the season on a strong note um, going forward. Um, and then next we can talk about Arkansas, Mississippi State, 11 a.m. game in Starville. Um, I think State's like a twenty and a half point favorite. Um, what do you What do you got on this one, JB? Boring. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I pick. I mean, I'm going to pick State. I mean, it's just Arkansas. Like it, it's the end of the season. I think you're kind of just rolling through the motions at this point. I mean, I, I I like Chad Morris. I like where the program is heading in the future. It's just not this year. I mean, Mississippi State. They got more to play for. They got. If Mississippi State can win out and finish eight and four. They're gonna probably they're gonna go to a warm bowl game in Florida, and play a really quality opponent from the Big Ten. So that that's what State's got going for them. Yeah, I do worry about a little bit of a Alabama hangover. To be honest, um, this game last year was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen. Just an absolute, just. I mean, this game was so ugly last year. Um, but uh, Nick Fitzgerald has done really well against uh, Arkansas in his career. And he's also done really well against John Chavis in his career uh, from when he was at Texas A&M. Um, I do think that Arkansas is going to cover. I think it's going to be a little bit closer game than uh, than you do. I just think the Alabama hangover, it's senior day. It's 11 a.m. Um, do have some pretty cool uniforms, though. I got to say some military appreciation uniforms. I don't know if you've seen them. But, you know, some people like them, some people don't. I'm, I like them. Uh, and it's not just because I'm a Mississippi State fan. I mean, honestly, I usually don't like their alternate uniforms. <laughs> but 
but I do, I do, I do kind of like these, uh, to be honest. So, anyway, we'll see about that. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game. Just like I said, uh, Arkansas has been, you know, I think they're just really hungry for, like, any kind of momentum. And they've played pretty decent defense uh, for a lot of the year. Um, Mississippi State offensively, still not really sure what they're doing. Um, still not really sure what Joe Moorhead's doing. Uh, hopefully they'll give the ball to their running backs this week because those are the best players and uh, maybe not try to throw the ball like 50 times like they've been doing. So anyway, uh, moving on, uh, we'll move to from my team to your team, uh, Tennessee Volunteers hosting the Missouri Tigers and Drew Locke. Um, I'm going to ask you for a pick as well in this game because obviously we weren't going to pick those first three games, but uh, we'll start pick. We'll start picks now. Uh, what do you got on this game, Mr. J.B. Brooks? I am going to go with Missouri in this one. Really? Yep. And uh, What's uh, your feelings on that? You know, one funny thing about this is that this is uh, Derek Dooley's homecoming. So the last right. two fired head coaches have made their homecomings in the same season, Bush Jones during the Alabama game and now Derek Dooley during the Missouri game. Two worst head coaches in program history. Wow. Yeah, so – what color khakis do you think Derek Dooley's going to be wearing? Uh, he's probably going to be wearing black because, I mean, it's going to be a little bit chilly at Knoxville this Saturday. And, I mean, I think this is just not the best matchup for Tennessee. Uh, they're, they got a young secondary still, even though they're secondary uh, currently. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, but Tennessee has two true freshmen that have two of the top four best, uh, passer, best ratings amongst true freshmen in college football. And both of these guys, uh, Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor, played quarterback and wide receiver in high school. Did not even play defensive back. And they were converted to defensive back to start the season. And Jeremy Pro has gotten the most out of these guys and has really coached them up. So I want to give him a shout-out to that. But let's – to go back to this game, they're both true freshmen and they're playing against a really vaunted Missouri passing attack. Uh, this Tennessee team is really starting to pick things up. Like, they play really well as a unit now. They're obviously showing improvement. They're showing that they are much better coach than they have been. But Missouri is – it's just not the best matchup for Tennessee. Like, Kentucky was a much better matchup than Missouri. I don't think Tennessee's going to be able to score enough points. I think Missouri's still going to be able to be able to get their points. The only way Tennessee can stay in it is that their offensive line can play as well as they did last week and they're able to run the ball a little bit and keep the ball away from Missouri. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it enough. Yeah, I agree. I – I actually really thought you were going to pick Tennessee in this one, but uh, I'm also going to go with Missouri. Um, I just think their offense has really started to click these last few weeks. Um, it's been, you know, obviously last week the defense didn't have a great performance, but um, I think the defense may bounce back a little bit this week. And, um, you know, it's a road game. It's a tough environment. Tennessee's coming off, you know, they're, they've gotten kind of high here, like down the stretch, and they're going to be trying to finish the season strong. Um does Tennessee, I believe they clinch bowl eligibility with the win, or are they already bowl They are currently 5-5. Five and five. So, they got Missouri at home this weekend, and they got to play Vanderbilt and Nashville next weekend. So, they got to at least win one of those games. I think their better chance is going to come next week against Vanderbilt. Uh, Missouri, is just, yeah. Missouri is just not the best matchup for them. It's just, it's a, if, but if Tennessee can find a way to beat Missouri, then, yeah, like that'll be another impressive win for Jeremy Pruitt in his first year. Yeah, but just like I said, I'm going with Missouri. Just their offense has been so balanced and so explosive. Um, and, you know, even though it's at Tennessee and Tennessee's coming off a big win, um, I'm probably going to have to go with Missouri as well. 
Uh, last SEC game that we'll talk about is uh, the Ole Miss Rebels traveling up to Nashville to get some Hattie B's and maybe play some football while they're up there against Vanderbilt. Um, I think uh, I'll pick this one first since you picked the last one first. I don't want you uh, – you know, I'm not trying to give you a disadvantage or anything. Um, so I'm going to pick Vanderbilt in this game. Um, their offense has uh, had two really big showings in a row. And they're facing an offense that's given, or they're facing a defense that's given up 500 yards a game. Um, just a really, really bad defense for Ole Miss. They did play pretty well against Texas A&M uh, for like the first three quarters last week, but uh, you know, I just I think Keyshawn Vaughn's gonna have a big game. I mean, honestly, like whoever, whatever running back is playing Ole Miss is probably gonna have a big game. But I like Keyshawn Vaughn and Kyle Shermer to both have big days. And, um, you know, Ole Miss's offense continued to struggle in the red zone last week. And I think Derrick Mason's going to have something for him this week as well. I think this is going to be a really fun, high-scoring game. But I like uh, I like Vanderbilt to edge out the win in the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Vanderbilt too. I just Ole Miss the last three weeks have been kind of like in a tailspin. Like they they kind of peaked at that, that comeback uh, victory against Arkansas. Uh, back in mid-October. Since then, they've lost three consecutive games to Auburn, South Carolina, and A&M. Another thing is that Ole Miss has not been a really good road team this year, with the exception of their close win at Arkansas against a 2-8 and eight Arkansas team. And I'm, I'm, it's, it's easier for me to go with Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt has bowl eligibility still left on the table to play for. Ole Miss, it doesn't really matter to them. And I think for Ole Miss, like, their biggest game is going to be come Thanksgiving, not this one. And not to say they're going to be looking ahead, but Vanderbilt has a lot more to play for, and they're at home. And they got the next two games at home with Ole Miss and Tennessee. It's hard for me to pick against Vanderbilt, so I'm going to go with the Commodores. Yeah, so they're going to – if uh, your last two picks come true, then that uh, Vanderbilt-Tennessee game is going to be winner goes to the bowl game, loser does not, right? Yep, I think at the next week you're going to have a 5-6 and six Tennessee team versus a 5-6 and six Vanderbilt team. How exciting is that? Man, uh, that is actually very exciting. I'm, I actually kind of hope that that happens. Now. Yeah, that scenario would be fun. Um, winner gives a bowl, loser doesn't, and then winner has bragging rights. I mean, not really yeah. like it matters. <laughs> but Yeah, I, I, know, I know you're fighting off those Vanderbilt fans every day. Jimmy. Oh, yeah, like all six. All they're six just all up on you all yeah. the time. <laughs> all right, so we'll pick uh, three national games real quick. Um uh, or at least three. I think we may have had a couple more um, that we may pick as well. Um, but first, we're going to do the biggest game, which is Syracuse Notre Dame. Um, you want to go? You want to go ahead with this one, JB? Yep, I am going to go with the upset, Syracuse Orange. Not wow. because I'm just rooting for it, but because I really love the job that Dino Babers has done at Syracuse. Really good offensive mind. His teams are disciplined. This game's at a neutral site, in New York. A lot of Syracuse fans, I mean, even though, even though there's going to be a lot of Notre Dame fans there, Syracuse will bring some fans. And I really like the Syracuse team. I think they're poised to make some noise. They came really close against Clemson. They would prevail there. They're going to prevail this weekend against Notre Dame. Man, I like can't even tell you how much I hope you're right. Um, I'm going to have to pick Notre Dame, though. Um I just I love Syracuse. Um, the other thing too that you didn't mention is their special teams has been big time this year for Syracuse. So um, 
that's another thing that a lot of people maybe don't know about. But uh, they've been really good, <clears throat> offense, defense, and special teams. Um, just really been a complete team all year. But I think Notre Dame, uh, they just got too much to play for. And, uh, you know, I just think with those pinstripes on at Yankee Stadium, those pants are going to be wearing, they just – they look too good. I just – I don't think they can lose uh, wearing a uniform that good. Um, and uh, real quick, we'll pick uh, Cincinnati versus UCF. Um I will pick uh, – I'm actually going to go with the home team UCF in this one. Game day is going to be there. They're all going to rail on uh, Kirk Herbstreet. And, uh, you know, because he's been talking crap about UCF all year. So, he's probably going to get booed every time he tries to talk. But, uh, you know, Cincinnati is, is, you know, a pretty good team. You know, they've had a a really good season um, under Luke Fickle. Is that his name? Yeah, Luke Fickle. Former interim head coach for Ohio State, former defensive coordinator, and I, I'm going to give credit to Luke Fickle. He's done an excellent job. And uh, you are going with uh, with UCF. I'm going to go with UCF as well. It seems like every time UCF has a huge home game, they always just win, even no matter if it's in grand fashion or you know in blowout fashion. They just don't ever lose at home. So I'm going to have to go with UCF for this one. All right, and then we got Iowa State at. Texas, what do you got on the Longhorn Network, which is just perfect? <laughs> what bias? That's the reason the Big 12 is where it is now. Yeah, I am going to go with Matt Campbell in Iowa State. Iowa State's uh, playing some really good football these last few weeks. Texas, you know, second half of the season has not really looked as good since the, uh, you know, Red River shootout. Iowa State's improved as the season's gone on. I'm going to go with Iowa State in this one with the big win in Austin. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I thought uh, you might be picking Texas there, but uh, I really like the job that Matt Campbell's done. Um, it's kind of crazy, like a couple of years ago, that uh, Tom Herman was the big hot uh, coaching, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The big for? hot coaching commodity. commodity. Yeah, commodity. He was Scott uh, last year. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, he, you know, I mean, he still may end up being really good at Texas, but I think Matt Campbell's shown, um, you know, he's kind of what Tom Herman was supposed to be. Um, you know, they lost a couple games early in the year, but then they started, you know, they switched to the true freshman quarterback, uh, Brock Purdy. Um, and they're the only team in the Big 12 that plays like any kind of defense. And they play with a lot of physicality. They got a really good running back and a, a really good receiver as well. Um so I'm gonna to have to go with Iowa State as well. Yeah, man, I, um, I, I'm, I really, really like Matt Campbell too. Like they just play with a lot of discipline. Like it's just, it's hard to root against a team like that. Like it's hard for me to root for someone like Tom Herman too. Like the guy's just a complete total hack. Not, not a good guy to be around. And even though Zach Smith is an idiot and foolish for texting Tom Herman, they're both perfect for each other. Okay, cool. Hook him. Yeah. <laughs> You been to any Asian massage parlors lately, JB? Uh, not recently. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, let's pick. Let's. So we only disagree on one so far, and I'm five games ahead of you. So I feel like we should do at least a couple more. Um, let's do Cal Stanford. Who who you got in this one? Let's go with Stanford. All right. I mean, I'm trying to give you a chance here. But you keep picking all the ones I want to pick. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Stanford as well. I think Cal's coming off a huge win against USC last year. They broke like a long losing streak to USC. Um, it was a really exciting game. I don't know if you stayed up for that one, but uh, it was a really fun game. And, um, you know, it's always, I just enjoy watching USC lose. I don't know. They're just one of those teams I just enjoy seeing lose. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with them as well. Um, you know, not, not too much to say about that. I'm going to have to go with uh, Stanford as well. I mean, so, uh, all right, let's do, let's see what's up. Minnesota Northwestern. Is that the one you want to do? Yes. Minnesota Northwestern. Minnesota's the home team. They are five and five. They're one went away from eligibility. I'm going to go with the Golden Gophers in the Minnesota. Row, row the boat. Wow. You know, it's uh, kind of funny because uh, Northwestern's already clinched the division, but they can still lose their last two games and end up six and six. Yeah. How crazy. So, That's uh, how cr- shitty that division is. <laughs> I know. And the Big Ten wants to talk shit. They do. Like, like the Big Ten, the Big Ten is up there shoveling their driveways. You know, wearing their got their big coats on, and they're just going to sit there and then talk about how the SEC is, you know, is so weak because they're playing. You know, like give me a break, dude. Yeah, like, like it's, y- it's, y'all are out there. Y'all, y'all are going to have like a like a fringe bowl team is you know in the conference championship game. Like, just come on. Yeah, but I uh, am going to go with Northwestern just to throw you a bone here. Um, even though I don't really want Northwestern to win because I'm all for a six and six Northwestern being in it. But just because I'm a nice guy and I got a five game lead on you, I'm going to pick Northwestern here just to give you a chance. I appreciate that. And uh, so uh, go, uh, yeah. go Wildcats. Yeah, I knew you'd pick Northwestern. That's why I wanted to go with this one. Even though I really don't want to pick Minnesota <laughs> and I'm not the biggest PJ Fleck fan, they're also just one win away from eligibility and they're at home. So it's hard for me to pick against it. Plus, I do want that scenario to happen where Northwestern six and six going into their Big Ten championship game. That just would be so funny. All right, so that's it for our picks. Um, I'm going to do uh, something a little different tonight, uh, just to kind of spice things up and uh, make it a little bit more fun. I'm going to ask JB. I got ten rapid fire questions. We're just going to go through them. Uh, maybe not like real quick because maybe uh, maybe you'll want to elaborate on some, and maybe I'll want to throw in an idea or two because. You know, I know it's not like true rapid fire, but you know what? Fuck it. It's our show. We can do what I want, what we want. So here we go. Are you ready, JB? <sighs> Let's go. All right. So I think most people would agree that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are the two best coaches in the SEC. But who do you think is the third best coach in the SEC? Third best coach. All right. So I wasn't prepared for that one. So uh, let me just uh, do some thinking on this. Give me about five, ten seconds. And I will pick one for you. Third best coach in the conference. I'm going to say Jimbo Fisher. Okay. That's actually not – I actually totally forgot about him when I asked this question. That's actually probably the right <laughs> I mean, answer. You can make – I mean, he's, he has a national championship, so I mean, I guess it gives him a nod. I mean, I can make an argument for uh, Dan Mullen, considering the job he did at Mississippi State. I yeah, could, that's where I thought I, you were going to go. I could argue for Gus Malzahn, even though he's struggling this year. He's had some successful teams. In the past, so, I mean, I can understand that one. Those are really the only ones you could argue for third. Uh, favorite fast food hamburger? I'm pretty sure I didn't know the answer to this, but favorite fast food hamburger? Whataburger. Or what about places that you can get like anywhere? Are you talking about like just 
places. Yeah, like that are the like regional. yeah, like the hamburger, like the hamburger fast food places that you can get like anywhere, like Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's, like Checkers, like places like that. I'm gonna go with Hardee's, the Monster Thick Burger. Ah, uh, yeah, great, great pick. You, you're thinking uh, on a different level than me because when I ask these questions, I didn't even think about that, but that's definitely the right answer. All right, uh, best best place to take a Tinder date. Best place to take a Tinder date would be to a local bar. Not one of those uh, chains like an Applebee's or a Chili's. You got to take her to one of your local places that you can, you know, get, get a good appetizer to split and then have a couple of beers, you know, off the draft, you know, to drink. And, you know, maybe a TV in front of you, like if you're both just not really into it at some point or if there's an awkward silence, you can just glance at the TV and look at the game that's on at the same time. So definitely drinks at a local bar is the way to go. What is your favorite Tennessee memory? Any sport? Like, what's your favorite Tennessee-related memory? Favorite memory is, ironically, it's non-football. My favorite memory is in basketball. 2008, Tennessee was number two team in the country, playing number one Memphis. And all week before that game, I heard so much crap at school from Memphis fans talking to me about how Memphis was just going to run and dunk all over Tennessee because – that's all Memphis fans had seen all year because they had played shitty opponents in their shitty conference USA at the time. So they hadn't really played a really good team up until that point except for Georgetown, which they had to scratch and claw to win. And yeah. Tennessee had already played a bunch of tough games up until that point. And I just – you know, a lot of Memphis fans were just really stupid. They hadn't they, – they had only watched their team play. They haven't really watched any other teams play. They just assumed Tennessee was bad because it's Tennessee. And then Tennessee comes to Memphis and wins that game. And it was – Sweet justice for Memphis fans that year because they took on the personality of their coach, John Calipari. They took on that arrogance of him, and it was just really, really annoying. So seeing Bruce Pearl and that team come and outplay them and outcoach was probably the most sweet justice win I've ever had. Even though Alex, our co-host, was not one of those fans, it's just because of all the crap I had to hear from other people throughout that week before that game happened. Right. And obviously we grew up, we all grew up in Memphis. So that's why it's not like there's just Memphis fans like all over the place who are talking shit during basketball season. I mean, this is like in the Memphis area, right? It was. And it's just, you know, in Calipari being the coach, Memphis fans took on the arrogant personality of its coach. Right. And I, I that was so much fun. I, I remember that. I don't even really like basketball, but I just remember, uh, I was out shopping somewhere that day, uh, like with my mom or something. Like, you know, I think we were, what, like 16 or something. We were sophomores uh, in high school. Yeah, so I was out, like, shopping with my mom or something, and uh, they, like, were coming over the intercom in the grocery store, like, updating everyone, like, on the score. Like, they did, like, two or three different times. I was just, I don't know. I just thought that was really crazy. I mean, the city of Memphis, like, literally exploded. I mean, Memphis and Tennessee, like, obviously, you know, Memphis isn't an SEC school, so they're not really – a threat to Memphis a lot of the time, but like whenever they do get good and they get a chance to play Tennessee, it's, it's a huge deal. And obviously being one and two in the country, I yeah. mean, that was, was such it, a big deal in the city. It was not just for the city, but just for the state. Like that's never, ever happened where both programs have been that good at the same time and played at the same time, you know, being from different conferences and having them both be number one versus number two uh, late in the season when they played in late February, like that will never, ever happen again. That was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity. All right, so not involving Tennessee, like what's your favorite 
loss of a rival team. Like like what like a game that Tennessee wasn't playing in, but you were just pulling against like maybe one one of Tennessee's rivals, and it was just like you know maybe it was like a big upset or something. Like what what pops out or sticks out to you? Oh man, there's so many good ones. Uh, I almost have to pick out that same Memphis team when they lost to Kansas. That was <laughs> that was when when Mario Chalmers hit that three. I was like, wow. Is this is this choke actually going to happen? And I'm going to get to see all the sad faces the next day. I mean, it's hard for me. It's just I it's I couldn't stand those fans that dealt with that year. Not Alex. Alex is fine. I could talk rationally with him. I just grew up, you know. I guess at the high school age, everyone's a trash talker, and I kind of took the bait and trash talk as well. Even though at my age now, I don't really do trash talking. Trash talking isn't for me. But I was just baited into it in high school, so I was in deep with it. So when that happened, I was. It felt like more sweet justice that Memphis would lose the national championship in the fashion that they lost it. I thought you were for sure going to say Ole Miss beating Alabama one of those years. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can. Uh, I remember actually the last time I remember pulling for Ole Miss in a game was when they went down to the swamp and beat Florida and Tim Tebow. That's the last time yeah. I actually remember pulling for Ole Miss in a game. But uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Give me a good pickup line. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm going to have to go deep into my bank here. About how, <laughs> I want to, how I want to uh, – trying to think which one I really want to say. Cause like, is, it, is it appropriate or is it not? Dude, it's our show, man. We can do whatever we want. It is. Uh, you can – How about not a pickup line, but uh, – Usually during a conversation when you're talking to someone, are, are we talking about pickup lines in public or through dating apps? Either one. Just take it anywhere you want to go with it. All right, let's go with the dating app. If you're on Tinder and you're talking to someone and you feel like you're making a connection, tell them uh, you have the number of reasons why you think you should be able to. Uh, uh, here's another. Gosh, I'm trying to think how I want to word this. I feel like I've used this before, but you'll say, like, I have this amount of reasons why I think you're the cutest woman I've ever talked to. And those number of reasons would be your phone number. Oh, nice. And then if you do that, they will almost every time will send you a text. So it's or call you. So when you're talking to someone and you're on one of those dating apps and you're really interested and you think it's going well, tell them you have. This amount of reasons why you think she's the cutest woman in the world, and those number of reasons will be your phone number. Wow, that's big time. That's I guess you earned the Tinder King of Memphis uh, title for a reason. Um, <laughs> Just being smooth. All right, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Like besides Memphis, obviously. Like if you had to move from Memphis, but you could move anywhere, where would you want to move to? Are we talking about the U.S. or are we talking about no, the world? anywhere? You can move anywhere you want. Well, let's do it two ways. In the U.S., I would pick uh, Naples, Florida. I like uh, how far south it is. It's in a warm climate. It's also on the Gulf side. I think the Gulf Coast is more pretty than the Atlantic Coast. So I'm going to go with Naples, Florida. Even though I've never been there, I've seen pictures. I like the region. I think it's really pretty down there. I know it's pretty. It's also a really, really rich area, too. So I'm going to go with Naples. Outside of the U.S., I would go with Fiji and the South Pacific. That's the prettiest tropical uh, climate in the world. 
They have Whataburger there, though. That's the real question. No, there's no Whataburger there. <laughs> but it's paradise, and it's 85 degrees every single day, 365 days a year. Yeah. Um, I would say San Diego. I love San Diego. I don't know why, but I've always been fascinated with San Diego. Um, all right, Celebrity Crush. Give me one. Anna Kendrick. Uh, what's your favorite sitcom of all time? Favorite sitcom? Uh, let's go with Everybody Loves Raymond. I'm 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 old, I guess. <laughs> and uh who's the funniest person to follow on Twitter? The funniest follow for me is I don't know which direction I want to go here cuz every follow I feel like you have on Twitter is political now and in, in some form or fashion. Uh I'm going to go with Seth Rogen. I just Seth love Rogen? the way he roasts people. Yeah. It's not a bad one. Not a bad one. All right. Well, that's all I got. Thanks for uh, thanks for playing my game there. Um, probably went a little bit longer than than it should have, but you know, hey. Yeah. So fun. that means you done rapid fire on me. So that means now we got to do one on you and one on Alex before the season wraps up. Yeah, and then we'll obviously have playing time in the off season as well. That's true. Um. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Unless there's anything else you want to uh, talk about. Uh, I am all good. I think we are ready to wrap this thing up. And of course, we got a. Uh, both of us have long days ahead of us tomorrow, going to work with our uh, normal paying jobs. So I think we're going to be wrapping up now. And we got one more day to go until we got this weekend of Austin Games, the best weekend of the year, the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's exactly right. So. Uh... We'll go ahead and wrap it up there. We went a little bit long tonight, so apologize for that. Um, but, hey, you know what? The more the merrier. So, uh, with that being said, for my co-host, Jordan Brooks, I am Holt Norris. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SEC Slow Smokes. Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And, you know, give us a five-star review. You know what I mean? And maybe put a little comment saying, like, I – really like JB's pickup lines or, you know, I really, you know, like that Holt is a Mississippi State fan or just, you know, just whatever, just whatever you want to say. So uh, that being said, see you all next time. Take it easy.